a production of Dirty Mo Media. There he is. Come on in here, buddy. Have a seat. Hey, everybody. Glad you tuned in. It's time for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Mike Davis, Dale and Hart Jr. In the Bojangle Studio. We've got a great guest today. Tony Fur has no idea what he's about to walk into. This is every week, okay, bro? (laughs) Buckle in. Yeah. (laughs) Slightly, politely, all night. (laughs) I think one time removed means you married your cousin. Well, okay. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. and I'm back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download in the Bojangle studio with my co-host Mike Davis. Hey Mike, don't look, all right? I can't help it. How many number eight diecasts are on this table? Don't look. I'm going to guess two. Five. Five? How many number three diecasts are on this table? Two. Three. Thank you for that little game. By um, by <laughs> presented to you by Lionel and I I am the winner. <laughs> he just wanted to win. I am the winner. I can I can yep. understand. That. You are the winner. I'm the winner. You lost. You were incorrect. So left, leaves me as the winner of the game. I was distracted. Yep. You're eating this uh, candy cigarette stuff that uh, fans have sent in this week. Habit. <laughs> You're two packs a day. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. <clears throat> so um, thank you, Lionel. We had a great show yesterday. Uh, Ash Jr. And, and Dirty Air, and we mentioned on that show that we got Tony Fur coming in today. Tony Fur is an ally. Listen, I have never. This is gonna blow your mind, man. I have never sat down and had a conversation with Tony Fur, but Tony Fur. All right, people are like, "Who the hell is Tony Fur?" All right, so Henry Fur, <laughs> Henry Fur used to own Concord Dirt Track and Metrolina Motor Speedway. He owned the the asphalt dirt track Concord out on 601 that I got my start at. And he was a prolific short track promoter in this area where we live today. Tony is his son. Tony would own dirt cars that my dad would drive in 77, 78. Um, Tony would become a mechanic and then eventually a crew chief in the cup and Xfinity and truck level. Won a couple cup races. Um, what he's probably best known for is getting suspended by NASCAR, fined by NASCAR on multiple occasions as crew chief for Hendrick Motorsports. And so, um, you know, knowing this sort of connection that I have to him really surprises me that we've never sat down and had a talk. Did you know that he's also my sixth cousin, one no, time removed? I did not know that. Yeah. That's so, amazing. I was doing my genealogy and have been working on that for a couple, you know, almost two decades now. And so Henry Fur came up in my family tree as a fifth cousin, two times removed. Tony, his son, is my sixth cousin. And um, I don't know that he knows that. I was going to ask. Yeah. Wow, this is going to be something. Yeah. And so. Family reunion today. Right. He is also. (laughs) So Tony is also Robert G's brother-in-law. All right. No, wait a second. I would, have, I, I mean, if he's related to you, it has to be somehow. I would assume through the maternal side, right? And the maternal side would be the G's. Yeah. So, oh, he's Robert G's brother-in-law. Right. Uh oh. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. 
<laughs> that was hard. It just hit me. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think we got I think we got a new question to ask him. <laughs> we got to dig into this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it possible that he's a, a sixth cousin one times removed? When somebody's one times removed in your in your family tree, what does that even mean? I don't know. Some, I was hoping you'd That know. is something to do with marriage. I'm looking it up. Or a marriage or a yeah, figure that out. What does it mean when I don't have the app on my phone? I got it on my iPad. I think one time removed means you married your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that means, Alex? <laughs> no, it says once removed is like a generation above or below you. Oh. <laughs> For example, your dad's first cousin, as we mentioned above, is your first cousin, but she is once removed. Yeah. So. Well, okay, so... Well then, just I guess you, that's just something that's probably not even, not even added to the to you know hey he's my he's my fifteenth cousin two, six times removed he, you just say fifteenth cousin yeah right? yeah so Henry Fur is a fifth cousin and Tony's a sixth and he uh, married my uncle's wife yeah <laughs> I don't know. Now listen I mean hate on that I mean you know sometimes if they're hot enough. <laughs> <laughs> Family picnic sometimes <laughs> gives you more than just potato salad. <laughs> Come out with a wife. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> oh wow! All right, Tony Fur has no idea what he's about to walk into, right? So let me let me get this straight. All right, am I am I gonna tell him that he's my sixth cousin? Yes. If you don't, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Is he is he Robert G's brother in law? Because maybe Robert G married his sister. Could be. I mean, I think that it's a fair question. Like, let's see what he knows. Uh, I wonder if it's Robert G. Or Robert G. Junior. I don't Robert, know. It couldn't be Robert G. Ugh. Could be. Man. Yeah. No, he's too old to be his brother in law. My my grandfather Robert G. Probably isn't his brother in law. We'll ask him. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Ally. <laughs> Thanks, Ally. So, anyways, um, I forget all what I've revealed about <laughs> Tony Fur, but um, he cheated. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of those ones. Yeah. This is one of those rare occasions where they go, "Could you just focus on the cheating, please?" Yeah. So he, anyways, he he's uh, I'm I'm excited to sit down and talk to him, and plus we've got to figure this all out how the how the uh, how the trees connected in some strange way. But let's get started, man. Let's get Tony Fur in the room. Hey! How's it going? All right, Jim. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. What's up, pal? Hey, how, how you doing? doing? All right. Welcome. All right, thank you. Let's see. Get that mic close to you and throw them headphones on. Tony Fur, man, how are you? Oh, not too bad. What you been doing? Little as possible. Yeah, riding <laughs> motorcycles and stuff like that. There, you know, that's about all I want to do nowadays. Is that right? Yep. You done working on race cars? Uh, pretty much. Dan Parter stopped by my shop yesterday and uh, asked me about going to Sears Point and all uh, with his son. But so I may do that. I'm just not positive yet. Yeah, you've been helping them out, the Parter's family, a little bit. Who's yep. been trying to race in the Xfinity Series a little, you know? Yes. 
And so, um, so yeah, you still got the you still got the bug, the itch a little bit. Well, you know, it's one of them things. It's like a drug. Uh, racing is, and yeah, mean, uh, it never leaves you. I don't reckon. Yeah, no, it don't. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I, I've always kind of been in awe of that. Like guys like Rudd, when they retire, disappear, and don't do nothing. You know, don't drive nothing. Yeah, I don't know how they quit a life. You know, something that's been in their life and been part of their life. Yeah, and uh, but some of them guys can just leave it. Well, I had withdrawals to start with. I will say that, you know. <laughs> I yeah. bet. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, it's all I ever done all my life, and yeah. don't know nothing else. I couldn't do a hold another job I had to. So. Yep. So, um, your dad was one of the most um, influential, prolific uh, promoters and short track owners in this area, uh, and I believe influenced. Uh, a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of tracks and a lot of things in the short track community beyond this, you know, the Mecklenburg County area and all that. But he um, he promoted and owned Concord Dirt Track. Uh, he he saved, you know, some say well he'll he saved Metrolina in '77 uh, from from closing down a little prematurely, and he built the uh, the Concord Speedway that was out on 601 that I ended up getting my start at. Yep. Um, and my um his he was a strict tough by the you know he had a plan and it was his plan he ran the show how he wanted to run it um but he had a hell of a reputation you grew up as you know in that household what kind of father was henry uh he was like you just said <laughs> by the book you know what i'm saying and uh everything had to be right you know yeah. i mean uh uh, when I worked with him and I was first started growing up working on the bulldozer. Uh, he had a grading company. Yeah, grading company, right. We uh, built a lot of you know, housing developments and stuff and around the Cabarrus County and all, and uh, probably 80% of them at the time. But anyhow, uh, when you took lunch, you took two or three bites out of your hamburger and maybe one or two swigs out of your Coke, and he expected you to be back on the bulldozer. Yeah. You know, it was one of those deals. And uh, Still hungry, though. Still thirsty. What yeah, happens? Yeah, that's that's got to take you, it with you. You didn't eat enough. Eat quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you ended up working uh, with him in the grading company for a while. Yep. And he, when did he want? When did he get into racing? What was his deal? Well, he got into racing uh, in the early '60s. He uh, actually, I don't know if you remember <clears throat> Twin City Speedway up here in Kannapolis. Okay. He oh, built wow. that. Oh. And. Uh, the guy couldn't really pay him, and so he'd done some yard work for another guy down in Mount Pleasant. And this guy's name was Dave Allman, and he uh, was working on race cars and had just built one. And I think, I'm not exactly positive, but I think that guy could, could not pay him for the race car. So, And Dave wanted the yard work done, so my dad done it for the race car. Yep. It was like a 50, 52 Chevrolet or something like that there, six-cylinder, and uh, Baby Blue, number 17, <laughs> and uh, they took it to Twin City because that guy couldn't pay him, so he let him come up there and race free and the family in free and stuff like wow. that right there. Yeah. And uh, my dad never raced anything like that there, but he got up there and uh, he got to racing. And uh, uh, Haywood Plyler, Booby Harrington, uh, man, Harold Dunaway, that's all there, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a it's a big show. Yeah. At that time, you know, those people were just, you know, average people, but that's, their names, you know, now is – Synonymous so, with exactly. dirt track racing around. Here. Exactly. Where was Twin City? Twin City was in Kannapolis. Where, Where? in Kannapolis? I'll be honest with you, it was a little bit, I don't really know. It's somewhere in Kannapolis. You need to research Man. that there, but it was yeah. it was a dirt track. It was a, 
Eh, it might have been a quarter to three-eighth mile track. It was wow. a small track. And high bank, red, I mean, some of the beautiful, most beautiful red dirt you ever seen. I got to find that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. They called it Goat Town. A lot of people called it Goat Town. And all, but it was Twin Cities mm-hmm. naming it Speedway. Why so, did they call it Goat Town? Now, that, you have to ask some of the we old got, we got We got a bunch of questions here. I know yeah. what the point yeah. of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I say, I was, man, that was in the mid-60s, so I was probably like, you know, eight or nine years yeah. old at the time. So. so he raced a little bit, but then he decided yeah. to be a car owner or let somebody else drive the car? Yeah, well, he had a wreck. coming, And we're sitting there in the grandstand, you know, my mother and my brother and I, we're all sitting there in the grandstand, and he wrecks. I think it was Haywood Plyler put him up the bank. And he's turned over, and there's gas going everywhere. There's no fuel cells back then, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's gas running everywhere. You can smell the gas. You can see it. And uh, running across the track, and he's trying to get out of the car. You know what I'm saying? And he ends up crawling out the pastor side, standing up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right there in front of you know uh, of us and all. And uh, we're all probably screaming and hollering, I'm sure. And he seen that, and it scared him. And that was his last race. And then he hired drivers okay, and stuff. And uh and just started racing, you know, after that. How did he get into um, owning racetracks? I think it was 71 or 72. I can't remember exactly. Uh, he had a Ford Mustang, and uh, he was a Ford man. And uh, everybody runs Chevrolets around here. And uh, they said if you could bring a Ford out here and win, outrun these guys, that will you know, pay you a bonus money and everything. So they actually gave him a little bit of money to come out there. Start with, but uh, he went out there and they run good. And I think they won a race or two, and they get never did paying the bonus money. So he got all sort of ticked off about it, and you know, I'll just buy the damn thing, you yeah. know. And so, so he bought the, and this is con, this is this, regional concourse. This is the old concourse where the most of Acres is right now. Yeah, and, uh, and out on seventy three. Yes. Yep. Yes. And so that's where Ralph Earnhardt raced. Dad got his start yes. there. Yep. Um, and eventually, you know, so he owned that racetrack and ran it for a while, and it. Then sold it, sold the property. Well, he didn't actually, he leased it. He uh, leased it. He, he did lease Someone it. Someone else owned the property. Yes, he did do uh-huh. that. And uh, uh, that guy went way up on his lease because my dad started making it really go good. And so Metrolina become available, but it was asphalt. Yep. And dad didn't like asphalt. Right. So, so what the guy that had the original Concord Speedway, he decided, he, he, he had an offer on the land that he couldn't refuse or what? Uh no, it sat there for a year or two. Uh, no one got no it. No one messing with it. And Vic Irvin come in there and got it and rented it for maybe a year. He promoted it for a year? I think he did promote it for a year. Oh, I know. Yeah, sure did. And event- But eventually that track closed. That was it. And, uh, damn, that's a, that's a interesting. I was wondering the, the history of the original Concord Speedway right. and how that all switched up because the new Concord, it's now gone too, but right. the one out on 601 didn't get built till. Uh, 80, 1980. 80? Actually, we started December the 11th at 8 o'clock in the morning on the new Concord Speedway. Yeah. He bought that thing at 7 o'clock in the morning. At 8 o'clock, we're moving equipment on wow. the grounds. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't stop till March the 18th to have the first race. Yeah. And it was an oval. Eventually, built a built yes. a tri-oval in the back, back yes. stretch. But Metrolina. So, you know, he, he ran... He ran Concord for a while, but then Metrolina becomes available. He moves away from Concord. Right. Uh, and he walks away from the original Concord Speedway and goes over to Metrolina and digs up the asphalt. Right. Um, you know, I know that you took race cars out there that you owned. So what do you remember about him 
redeveloping Metrolina. Well, let's back up here at okay. Concord first because I ran it first. Uh, you ran there? I ran there. Did yeah, you I ran, drive? No, I did not drive, uh, but I had different drivers. I had Larry Wallace, Dick Elliott, and those two drove yep. for me at that, that track. Good drivers. Good drivers. One races. I mean, actually, the first four races I run, I won. I thought, man, this is really easy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, How did you, what did you know about race cars? Well, Gary Hargett. I know you know him. Yes, sir. Just and went Tom, to his shop yesterday. Yep, yeah, that's what your sisters told me. And uh, Tom Pistone, mm -hmm. they, Tom came over to my dad's house, and uh, he had this Ford he had built. But it was brand new. And he knew Dad was a Ford guy. And he knew that Dad would probably bite and get this car to put on the show out there. And so Dad did. And I'm sitting over mowing grass. And he says, that boy over there knows what to do on a race car. He said, you just need to take him and show him some ins and outs. And I was like 15 years old, I think, 14, 15, all on there. Anyhow, that's what happened. I went over there and worked for a year. You went to Tom Pistone's and worked. Yeah, what uh, was that like? Uh, it was it was, it was was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was a zoo, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you mean? You, there's more to it, I can tell. Well, I mean, you know, it was always something going on. It was never a dull moment. I don't know if y'all, you know, Tiger, I'm, I'm sure y'all do, but anyhow. You know of him. Yeah he's, yeah, he's a character. Yeah, he's a character. A very smart person. And all very, uh, very smart racing stuff. And uh, he and Gary, you know, were racing with your dad and uh, Harry Gant and a couple other ones. But mm -hmm. anyhow, uh, they took me under that their uh, wing. And every every Friday night we raced or Saturday we raced. The car come home just like a cup car. Took that car down to the bone. No sh. Every dirt track race. Wow. Took her to the bone. That was unheard of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he said, that's the way you got to learn and teach you. Yeah. You know? And so uh, that's the way it was. I mean, it went on from there, and he, you know, showed me how to we was running leaf springs back then. We made a thing on the back of our truck where we could beat the arch in the leaf springs between the races and stuff. We needed more bite or whatever. Yeah. Because it wasn't like it was today, you know. I mean, you didn't have all them jack bolts and stuff like it right mm -hmm. there. You know, you had to, had to do it by hand. Yeah. And so you worked there for a year, and that really gave you an education on cars. Right. And then after you left, why did you leave Tigers? Well, Dad said, are you ready to do it on your own? Mm -hmm. So we had a shop there at our house, okay. and so uh, we brought it over at our shop, and I did it on my own. Yeah, and now you're doing it yourself, taking your car to the racetrack. Yes. Um, what, was, what did people think about you racing your car at your dad's racetrack? That was a conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, it was a big conflict. I mean, uh, like I say, I, I they wanted to tear you down every week. Dad ended up protesting, but like I said, we won. Your seven. dad Wait, protested. What? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He, he definitely. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, your dad protested you. Yeah. To show them. Yes. To show the other competitors, yes. look at this. Come yeah. look. Yeah. This. yeah. And so they could come look at all your stuff while yeah. they're tearing it down and yeah. see that you're right. Right. How many times did you have to do that? Do you think you got everybody on? Uh, you know, I think it was about three times he did that right there. The first two times a week in a row, you know, each back yeah. to back. And then he did it, you know, during the season there. Just to keep, just to let the competitors know? Yeah. And that worked? Well. Yeah. You know, it satisfied him that night. Right. You know what I'm saying? But not the next week, you Damn. know what I'm saying? What did yeah. it do with the relationship with you and your dad? Uh, it, it was pretty hard. <laughs> it get tense? It get tense, yep. I mean, it, it, the breakfast table was... Pretty solid. Because you, what, you're still a teen, you're still a teenager, aren't you? Oh yeah. At that point. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, specifically, are you like 16, 17? Were you at this uh, point? Yeah, I was around sixteen, seventeen. And so your dad is protesting you. Yep. And, and I've worked my guts out. You're living with your dad. Still, oh, yeah. you're in the house. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> this is, I've yeah. never even heard of this dynamic, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is interesting. It was tough. It was very tough. But he, he wanted to prove to the people, you know, that he wasn't going to show no favors, which he didn't. Yeah. I mean, actually, he took several races away from me. What? Oh, yeah. I've won several of those big races down there and I got taken away. Why? Actually, the, me and Rodney Collins lapped the field down there under uh, when it was asphalt. At the Metrolina or no, where? At, the, at Concord? Concord. Okay. You, asphalt it. Yep. We lapped the field down there and he paid me for second. Why? Because he said that we stunk the show up and he thought that guy there won. Damn. So that's all I had to, you know. He you made, can't argue. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Damn. That's harsh, man. Oh, it, it was very difficult on me. So that was okay though. Go so ahead. wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> you have you do have a reputation of being real creative, right? And innovator. Innovator going outside the box, <laughs> reading between the lines in the rule book. Right. Taking advantage of those opportunities, right? And so is that something that was is that something that was part of you way back then? Well, I mean I mean, because when I when I started racing I built the car by the. I built the car. I looked at the rules to build the car. Right. I didn't start thinking about bending any of them rules till I got older. Right. Well, if you so at sixteen years older, you you, are you go, creative. Right. You, if you go back to where I started at, to and, around, and yeah, exactly, and around the people I was around, they was creative. Back, uh, yeah. Very, Tiger very, Tom was creative. Very an what innovator. Are, what are some very. of the things? <laughs> what are the some of the things that? You know, you that Tiger did on did the cars that you were, you know, you were like, damn, that's smart. Well, I mean, you know, nitrous was big at the time. Yeah, you know everybody ran nitrous. Oh. I didn't even know that. So I'd heard about, you know, uh, somebody wrecked at Darlington and the night, you know, the frame broke and they saw the nitrous bottle and yeah. the, in the, you know, there was those stories, like one here, one there. But then as you dig more deep into it, and Daryl was on here and he's like, damn, everybody had a bottle in their car. Everybody, yeah, even yeah. the guys in the back, you know, that weren't going to – they knew they were just going to go out there and run the laps right? Uh, in the race, but they had to have the bottle right. to get in the race. Right. We found that, that your dad even did. Dad even point. had a bottle oh, in his car. If you didn't have a bottle, you didn't race. Right. It's as simple as that. I mean, I still got three or four of the small ones that, you know, still left. <laughs> no mementos. Yeah, yeah. I used to uh, – I used to fill bottles for people, so I knew who was running. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> because there was several different grades of nitrous that, that was good and bad. Oh, oh, and, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a medical and there's an industrial. Yeah, I know. So there was the nitrous and how to how to hide that, and I mean, what's the best way to? What's a smart way to 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 put that in your car back then in the '60s and '70s to to be able to hide it? Well. It just depends. I mean, you know, we uh, a lot of time we just, you know, fogged it. That was probably the quickest, simplest. What does that mean? I mean, you sprayed it towards the air cleaner from the firewall or in the air, you yeah. know, up in the air cleaner. No, you just fogged it. If you fogged it, you didn't really have to worry about the jets and stuff like it right there as much. But if you run it in to the jets underneath the carburetor, you had to go up on the jets too. So that meant it was going to probably run rich the whole race because you didn't use the nitrous the whole race. Mm. So I just usually fogged it. And yeah, that, that was 100, 150 horsepower. Yeah, and you so want. you, where's the bottle? <laughs> well, now that just depends. You know where you want to put it at. You know, you, sometimes you put it in the driver's suit. You put it under the dash. How big does it look? What does it look? I've never seen. One. I had some that was same size as a roll, roll bar. Yeah, inch and a uh, three quarter roll mm -hmm. bar. Look, just like a roll bar. And they'd have it in their suit and just tie into a line yeah. somewhere. Or? Yeah, you, you you could 
make it and fold it however you want it to. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Just depending on how big you want it and how normally you didn't really want to run that stuff but one or two laps. Yeah. And that's why I said that's the reason you wanted to fog it. Yeah. It's much better. How much is in a how, how much do you need? You say you don't run it the whole race, obviously. So I, is it like an ounce? No, you run it by the pounds. And by the pounds? Yeah, most of the time I run a one to two pound bottle. Yeah. And I had some five pound bottles, you know, if it's going to run a big race, you know what I'm saying? I need it dirty <laughs> in too, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It'll bring out the old five yeah. pounder. And, uh, but you take, uh, anyway, I like the size of that bottle right there. Uh, yeah. was a pretty popular size. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated by that. Like, I am too. DW yeah. and them guys, like oh, they, yeah. I, I forget who qualified on the front row of the Daytona 500. I think it was Foyd and Daryl, and they threw them both out because they both had it. Yeah, they probably had it in the radiator. A lot of people run the radiator back then. What do you mean? They put it, you know, the tanks in the radiator. They put, put the it, bottle in the tank. Yes. And then there'd be a line out of the radiator yeah. that looked like a typical over, overflow, overflow line or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Damn, that's bleed smart. Off, bleed off or something like it right, right there, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's pretty smart. Or, you know, you had it on your, your roll cage. You had them bars that run across the thing. You'd, yeah. One of them bars would be a bottle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's spray back towards the air cleaner. Yeah. I don't know how oh, you would ever the find bar that. the bar across yeah. the so there was a bar that tied in to the to mm-hmm. the to the snout, right? That run across the top of the front yeah. of the motor. Yeah. That's perfect. Oh yeah. You would never right there. find that. Yeah. Well not you didn't know what you're looking at unless you knew right. what you're looking at. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. yeah that, that's amazing. The average guy didn't have a clue, yeah. you know. And another, and and I imagine not all the you know there was then it was there was always like one or two guys in the in the garage that officiated that knew that much about cars but most of them were just like hey man here's your template this is your job today do this template you yeah. know most of them didn't know the, the the true nuts and bolts right you could get by you could get it through there all right so uh you're messing with race cars. You're winning races. Your daddy ends up getting Metrolina. Right. Right. Uh, Ned Jarrett had Metrolina in the mid-'70s, put payment on it, tried his hardest. He'd had success at Hickory as a promoter. Comes over to Metrolina thinking that, you know, he can rec- rec- recreate what he wants to. And, I, I mean, tried his guts out. I've read the books. I've, saw, I've, I've, I've studied that. Uh, but for whatever reason, it didn't hook up. Right. And he ended up having to walk away from that. Right. So you guys, uh, your dad realizes that Metrolina is available. I mean, what what's he thinking? Take the equipment over there and rip the asphalt off. Yeah. And, you, I, and I'll do it. So that's what happened. That's what happened. And so was it was it successful out of the gate? Was it a struggle? It was. No, it was successful out of the gate. I mean, because, like I say, you know, he promoted it really well. Dad was a good promoter. He was. I, I, I will say that. And uh, he, he knew about advertisement and stuff. And so he got some TV stations and things like that involved in Channel 9 and Channel 3 at the time, you know, and uh, <clears throat> which we had a couple of race cars, and they, you know, got on the race cars. I mean, you That's were, right. Yeah. Your, so, dad, your dad drove them. Yeah. Dad yeah. drove a car. That was your car, wasn't it? Yeah, it the was. The WBTV? Yeah. So – um, damn, that's smart. I didn't even, you know, I've looked at pictures of these cars right. with those damn chan- news channels sitting on yep. the door of them, yep. and I never would have thought that y'all, your dad was actively creating those relationships in turn yep. that they, that that would automatically ensure, yep. you know, local promotion. Right. On well, it was those, on TV. Right. Yeah. Damn. Smart. It's very yeah, smart. And Charlotte was a you know a growing town at the time, and it had a lot of nightlife stuff, and also it, that's why the asphalt didn't go, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't as exciting as dirt. I mean, you're racing side by side on dirt, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, the asphalt was sort of following the leader type of deal. But anyhow, uh, by him getting it on TV and getting it, you know, 
those TV stations get behind him like that right there, and no, uh, it uh, and they put on a good show. I mean, it started doing really good. Yeah. Mm. So, you take your cars over there, and who's driving for you? Uh your dad drove quite a bit over for me. I mean, we run for about about two and a half years together over yep. there. So tell me about that. Why? How did you how did you hook up with dad? How did y'all know each other? Well, we knew each other from the old Concord Speedway. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And all and. Uh, because you know, I raced against you, Grandpa and your dad out there. Uh, your dad was running, I think, for the Russell brothers at the time. Yep, and, Tommy uh, Russell. Yep. And uh, but anyhow, when he come over there, he was driving for Tim Gordon at the time, and uh, him and Tim must have fell out or something happened. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, Daryl Cruz, you remember Daryl Cruz? Big Daryl Cruz. Big yep. Daryl. And uh, Daryl and I was working together. He was helping me on the car, and so uh, he introduced me to your dad as far as you know trying to get something going because your dad was like me. He was broke. And all we knew was racing. Yeah. And so I had a race car, and he could drive, and he didn't have a ride. So uh, we got hooked up and run good. We had to run first or second, or we didn't eat the next week. Yeah. As simple as that. And so then your dad was smart enough, and the things I had and things I could do, we could work on our own car. didn't have to have anybody else to do anything. We built the motors. We'd done the cars, everything. Where's this car at? Still at your place? It's still at my place. We come to your dad's because your grandpa had a meal and a layup there. You did. In the, in the little shop. So you went up there some? Yeah. And then I'd see you and Kelly outside, you know, y'all were kids and running around in diapers at the time. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> what what's some of your memories about going to the racetrack with dad? Oh, it was, every, every one of them was exciting. And yeah. uh, your dad, uh, he was like me. He was a racer. And racing was first. So and everything else was second, and uh, so uh, we went there with a race face on. Take no prisoners, you know what I'm saying? First or second, like I said, mm-hmm. one of, we was gonna have one to two, or we couldn't go to next week. Yeah, there's a couple times where you had to run out of there. He did. As a matter of fact, uh, it was really the first big race that Dad had run at Metrolina. Uh, I think it was 10,000 to win and 6,000 for second, mm-hmm. 200 lap race. And uh, it was toward the end of the year there. And uh, that was going to get us through the winter, that money right there. That's, <laughs> what, that's, what, that's what Dale you said. Guys really that's racing a... race to race, right? Oh, like yeah. That, that no, money, we lived day to, yeah, we lived day to day on, on what we had. That was that it. But anyhow, he couldn't buy you a Coca Cola, neither could I. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you ask it for one. <clears throat> so we got a Dodge. We ran a Dodge then, a yep. Bush Dodge called Bush. Bush Beer was on the sponsor. And uh, number one, and uh, we qualified. I think we qualified third. And Haywood, I think, was on the pole. And Haywood's uh, driving Robert G's car. He's driving Robert G's. He was very tough. Yeah, I mean, that was, was a good very, old race car. He, oh, he was hard. He was the one to beat. Mm-hmm. I know between him and your dad. But anyhow, this Dicky Anderson guy, he comes up. And he's a hot shoe from wherever Florida or wherever he's from. Anyhow, he's uh, something happens to him. He ends up in the rear. But anyhow, your dad, uh, we lead like a hundred. 40-some laps of that race and all. It's a 200-lap race, and like lap 85, 80, 85 to go, I mean 15 to go, lap 185 uh, Mm -hmm. right along in there, we got a hole knocked in the radiator. Damn. And I said, oh, shit. I've seen it steaming coming out and stuff like right there, and I see your dad slowing up, and hey, Woods catching him, and this Dickie Anderson done worked his way up. I mean, he's coming quick. Oh, my God. What's going to happen here? We ain't going to have no money. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I know your dad's thinking the same thing. We don't have the radios back then, but I know what he's thinking because he and I were alike there. And uh, <clears throat> here comes Haywood by, and 
He passes him. He hit, runs at him, nudges him, but he don't get Haywood out of shape like he needs to be. Here comes the Dicky Anderson car by him. He gets him right. <laughs> he plants him, and there's three guardrails there, and he's the third middle guardrail. Damn. When it's all done. Send him, through, <laughs> send him <laughs> in the fence. All, all, all you seen was his, the back bumper. He was, that, he was that deep. Damn. Oh, yeah, he was deep. But he didn't have no choice. Had to do that to get the money. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Wasn't calling for no rain. And I mean, and the, the fence is coming over. The people, I mean, they red flag the race because he's stuck in the gauge, you know. Yeah. And uh, so here comes all the people. I mean, it's fixing to be a hell of a ride. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're going they're gonna kill us. Yeah. Simple as that. Who? All His the, team. The fans. The fans are the bad. Fan, yeah, the fans. We were the bad guys. Yeah. One because that was my dad. And, ah. and Dale was rough. Yeah. You know, he didn't he was a take no prisoner type of guy, you know, at the time. Yep. They didn't really like us, none of us. But anyhow, here here everybody comes and all of a sudden, like I tell you, I'm telling you, there was not a cloud in the sky. There wasn't no rain in the forecast. And the bottom falls out. Yeah. Your dad gets out the car, comes running over to us. He's driving my seventy three Torino that I give him. He's got no license. <laughs> He ain't got no license. Oh, no. Your dad didn't have no license for a long time. What happened? Uh, we'll take it out. It ain't live. Yeah. Oh, I would say that he has a couple of DUIs yeah. and stuff like that right no there. Oh, yeah. 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 Damn. Yeah. yeah, he didn't have no license. He didn't have no license. He held about 31 years old, probably. No <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Damn. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Good heavens. Yeah. I, I would say he's at least 31 for He's a wild man. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a second. Are you saying that the race ended early because of rain? It was yes. red flagged because Dale planted that guy in the in the, uh, Dickie Anderson. Yes. Was Dale in second? Dale was in second. So Haywood passed him for, for the lead. Yes. And and so Dale got his hole in the radiator as the leader. As the leader. Yeah. And then uh, so must have just you know got it uh you know with a lap car somebody he was trying to race just to get by gets into him gets a hole in the radiator something it, like that. It's something. hard. It's hard. Right. To it's say. hard to say. That's yeah. right. Uh, and then Haywood gets by him. Dickie comes by. He wrecks Dickey. Right. That causes a red flag. Then, an act of God, the rain comes, and that's how the race ends. He yes. gets second place money. Yes. And now you guys are running for your lives. Yes. Well, Dale jumps out of the car, and they, they they start running for him to you know to kill him. And they're running over to my truck where they're going to get me too. Uh, and here Robert G is parked right beside us, and he's standing there. And he's got a he pulls out a you know a little pistol, and he's put it to the side like it right there, and says, "Don't come over here." Boys, you know, you know, yeah. boys don't come over here. Here comes Dale running. My car is parked where there's a fence, you know, six, eight foot fence there, and it's got like a slope with barbed wire on it. Dale runs towards my truck, jumps up on the hood with one foot. The next foot's on that barbed wire, and the next foot's on the ground. Wow. He and Teresa are in the, my 73 Torino and gone. The original American Ninja Warrior right there. Like exactly. That was that, uh, I'm I telling mean, you. Spider-Man you, doesn't do that. I'm telling you, he was like a deer. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a deer. I didn't know he could run that fast. I oh, my God, heavens. God's honest truth. Damn. <laughs> I want to ask you, so when do you, when's the next time you see Dad? Oh, uh, that night. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he, Where at? He was over. Uh, they had a house over on Sugar Creek, the rider right, that, right along in that area there. I can't remember. Was, uh, Teresa had a house over there. And he was staying over there, and we went over there after the race. He, Wait, was, he was laughing about it. Teresa, how, what year was this? Or about what year was uh, this? 77, 78. Yeah, right. Okay. I think it was 77. Oh, all right. Yeah. The end of 77. Yeah. Mom and dad got divorced in 78. They probably split up 
for the for the year before that. Yeah. You know, it might have been 78 because the reason I say that there is because he was driving my Torino and I just bought a 78 Thunderbird, so it was 78. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So yeah. you, you got the money? Oh, yeah. I got and the he, money. Y'all yeah. split it up? Oh, yeah. How much did he get? He got $2,200. Damn, that's nice. Oh, he, uh, he, you, gave him a good, you gave him a good chunk. Oh, I did. And, I, and I'll tell you this here. That time, and he said he said, it said he had never won no kind of money even close to that. Yeah. And I hadn't either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it would be, you know, 800 12,000, yeah. 1,500 at the most. Yeah. Did you see that new – did you see that book that that guy wrote on the Metroline Speedway with all uh, the – yeah, it's like, damn, I got to get you a copy of that. Right. But this fella made a documented week-by-week week, uh-huh. uh, book about Metroline Speedway from the minute it opened all the way to the last race. Right. You're all the, all the races you and Dad ran together – and probably all the races you ever had a car there right. are in that book. Right. It tells you a little blurb about the weekend, a little write-up about each finish and all right. that. And then uh, it gives you, like, the top five of each division right. for each night. Right. Um, it's pretty incredible. There's a little write-up about each season champion and, what you know, the season starting and the season ending. It's really, really cool. Right. Um, and your dad's in there a bunch, a lot of photos right. of him, a lot of pictures of that Bush car and a lot of pictures of the car with WSOC on the side right. of it. And y'all did run a handful of races together. I was surprised. Yeah. I didn't know y'all ran so much. Yeah, we run, like I said, we was together about two and a half years there. Yeah. And all. Like I said, he didn't have no money. I didn't yeah. have no money. And he didn't have a job. And I didn't have a job. That, that was our job. Yeah. You know? I, I remember, so I didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about the performance Right. that dad had at Metrolina. Right. And I didn't know whether he won a lot or didn't win a lot. I was kind of surprised to look at – now, he got you – know, when when Ralph when he, when he Ralph was still alive in 73, uh-huh. dad drove a little modified uh, car, or a little six-cylinder in the class below the sportsman cars. And he won a lot of races with that car right. in 72 and 73. But after that, when he got when Ralph passed and Dad got into sportsman stuff, he ran some of Ralph's cars. He bought a car from Harry Gant. He ran your car. Yeah. He ran Robert's car, Robert G's. Right. And didn't win all the time. No. Uh, like I say, we didn't. But we could run We could run top three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that would make us, you know, get through the – Yeah. Robert G – he had all the best of everything. His car was the winning car. He was the winning car. He would and, and Haywood, week after week after week driving that seventeen. Haywood was bad to the bottom. He was. He was. And yeah. uh and like I said, and and Dale was he they were allowed to say mole basically. Yeah. And all I mean was winter there was all. a time when Dad left Metrolina Speedway mad at Robert. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh Mama Mama and him were together back then because Mama's the one that had to stop him. <laughs> but do you remember anything about that? Was oh, he yeah. driving your car? Oh, yeah. We, uh, actually, I didn't know that there was an issue at the time. And uh, Love's Junkyard, right there on 29. Uh-huh. Your dad and I raced out of that junkyard. That's where you got your parts. That's where we got our parts. Yeah. And I, I needed a motor. So I went out there and got a motor out of the junkyard, and it was all greasy. And so I didn't think nothing about it. So I said, well, let's just stop over here at Roberts because he's got a pressure washer and we'll wash the grease off of it. And um, Who's <clears> with you? You did. Okay. Y'all went in the junkyard and pulled the motor out. Oh, we was in the junkyard every Tuesday. Damn. But anyhow. Um, my uncle Jimmy, uh, my uncle Jimmy, Jimmy G. G says that dad was in that junkyard in the mid- at midnight sometimes. Yeah. He'd yeah. sneak in there. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I said, we, that was my uncle's uh, junkyard. Oh, shit. 
Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, we was in the junkyard every Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Mainly Tuesday because Monday we tore apart. Tuesday go out to the junkyard yeah. and get stuff. But anyhow, we took that uh, block. It was laid on the back. I had an old ramp truck, and it was I had it you know chained down on the back of the ramp truck and all. And uh, we pulled into Roberts out there, right beside the whale house, right in front of the shop there. Yep. And uh, Dale's sitting in the, the car there, and I get out. I said, Robert, I says, uh, I need to use your pressure washer. And Dale gets out and walks toward the back of the thing. Here comes Robert out with a fan belt about that long. Going to whoop Dale. Why? <laughs> Why? He run him around. To, well, he, he and his mother got into it about something. I don't know exactly what yeah. details was there in Denver did ask. But anyhow, Dale's running around the, the well house right there. <laughs> And uh, he says, we got to go. We got to go. And he jumped back in the truck, and I jumped in the truck and left. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't get to wash the motor. No. <laughs> so we don't know why he was so mad at him? Because him and mom was fighting. Yeah, him and his mother was fighting about oh, something. Oh, Dale yeah. Jr.'s mom. I got you. Yeah. I, see, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Robert G.'s got to stick up for his daughter, I guess. <laughs> He's yeah. got a fan belt, I'm yeah. telling He's you. A it's a long belt. one. He's going to whoop him. Yeah, that's going to no hurt. Shit. Oh, yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy hearing stories about it. You know, back back then when dad wasn't dad wasn't had no notoriety, no fame, not yeah. not a whole lot of money, no. and was just trying to survive. Yeah. But making so many terrible decisions, <laughs> right? I mean, good. You know, he made they were bad decisions. You know, yeah, you some know, yeah, maybe fighting with mom and all that. But at her dad's house, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you go fight with her, don't go to right, yeah, house. losing losing his license, driving around. Right. Without license. How in the hell he made it? I don't right, know. Right. Your dad was fearless. He was. He nothing. was fearless. I'm telling you right now, there's only one of them, and he was the only one. He wasn't scared of, I mean, anything. And you could not dare him to do nothing. I mean, yeah, we we would leave the racetrack, and he'd grab a handful of lug nuts, throw them on the dash, and somebody, you know, passed us or done, run us off a ramp or, you know, there's nothing wrong. Pitch a couple of lug nuts in their windshield. Damn! Good oh, yeah. heavens! Oh yeah! What a wild man! Animal. He was. He was. <laughs> yeah. He was. He, he'd always get lug nuts. He'd always have you know eight or ten lug nuts. Somebody messed because I guess pulling that car around yeah. an open trailer, you might get run off the trim yeah. damn road by well, some competition. Well, I, I know another time that, uh, and Tony, Tony, you're probably tell you this here too. Is uh, he come home and uh, you know the trailer didn't have no fenders on it, and there'd be cars running up down the road there that had wheel marks on the side of them. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he put the damn tire, he put the trailer to the damn parked cars yes, on the did. street. Well, I mean, they, they come off that ramp. If he didn't like the way it is coming off that ramp, that's going to be at the same time. The timing was everything, you Dying know? Day. Bam. He's crazy. Oh, yeah. And then throw a lug nut over. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think we got to ask him. I mean, listen, he's talking about Robert G., Dale Earnhardt, yeah. all this stuff. I think we got to ask him the question. Did you know that we're related? Oh, yeah. Somehow or ah. another. Yeah. So... <laughs> Your Robert G is your brother-in-law. Yes, my wife and his wife are sisters. Mm-hmm. Just as we expected. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> your wife and his wife are sisters. sisters. The same way that the Yuris, uh, your, your dad I'm related and, to the Yuris. <laughs> yeah. So the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's one big family, really. I mean, hey, what it is. So, I've been doing my genealogy for about. 15 years, a long time, right? Your right. dad popped up in my family tree. Oh, he's really? A, he, yeah, he's a fifth cousin. Oh, wow. And so you're a sixth cousin. Right. And um, it's a long, long yeah. you know, way to get there. Yeah. But 
um, I mean, I got thousands and thousands of people in this family tree on this on genealogy.com, but right. which is, I mean, everybody everybody in that area in one way or another is kind of connected somehow, some way. Pretty but, much. Um, I found that pretty fascinating. Right. But not well, only are we co- cousins, but by you know by marriage, you right. know, you're brother-in-law to my uncle. Right. Um, everybody that went to the racetrack. You know, that's how mom and dad got together. You right. know, they met at the racetrack. Oh, Robert yeah. G. Yep. Um, Tony Sr. and his wife, all that. You know, it all kind of. Right. So, so as you and Dale are running around and, and terrorizing the towns for two and a half years, even <laughs> your own family, you, you are aware that somewhere down the line you guys are related somehow, right? Or is it not even not even a? a I guess a topic y'all would have been their fourth cousins or something. We wasn't thinking. That's, we wasn't thinking about nothing like. Oh, we was thinking. You wasn't about necessarily was, like the Duke uh, boys or anything, you know. No. <laughs> you <laughs> was man. You wouldn't know your fourth cousin. I would walked in. The front, I know. Uh, I know. Walked you're in the right. door, right? You're right. We were thinking about how we could win the next race or yeah. make make money. So that well, we y'all could, were fourth cousins. Yeah, or something like something that. Like you it, didn't yeah. even know it. <laughs> no, we didn't. So um, I remember going over to the New Concord and racing, and uh, my uh, grandfather, Robert G., would always come in there and hang out and sit with Henry. Yeah. Didn't they hang together? Oh, yeah. They were tight. They were like, you know, two peas in a pod. Yeah. Every Saturday, every Friday or Saturday night. Yep, yep. Um, Henry ended up running uh, what would be called the Big Ten Series. Yep. Was one of the biggest things ever happened to short track racing, super late model racing in the southeast. That was the largest mm-hmm. thing that I was that, the very first of, Big paying races and stuff like it right there on you know on a monthly deal televised on TV. Yep, um, yeah. that was a huge deal. Um, I just wanted to celebrate Henry a little bit. Yep. Um, every, you know he had his he had you know you loved him or you hated him oh, yeah. depending on the weekend or whatever happened and right. <laughs> whatever happened on the racetrack. But he um, he really had a lot of influence on what you know what we know short track racing as in the southeast, especially in North Carolina. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, and I think his influence is still felt today um, for our super late model and late model stock racers around this area. You end up, um, you know, you end up continuing to work on your own race cars for how long? I mean, I want to know how you end up in into the. I want to. I want to know. I guess how much longer you're still working at the local rank. How'd you end up getting into uh, cup shops and working on right. big race cars? Well, your grandpa, Robert, took me to uh, Daytona, uh, and I think it was 79 or 78, 78 or 79 with Haywood. We won, the, there was uh, nine races down there at the Volusia County dirt track. Uh-huh. Myself, Jimmy Maycar, and Robert Jr. We took the dirt car over there. Jimmy Maycar, who just his, retired from GM, GM role at Gibbs. That was his first rodeo. Is no shit. It was. That yep. was Jimmy's first rodeo. Yep, down yep. there with us and all. Him starting to race and all. And, uh, and like I said, we went down there and uh, we won eight out of nine races. With Haywood. With Haywood. Mm-hmm. And they run us off with a one to ninth race. Why'd they run you off? Uh, they said we was rough riding. <laughs> and, 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 your, and your grandpa said, let me tell you something, boy. He said, we here for a reason and not the season. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, here comes the flagman, you know, off the grandstand or flag stand, and he's, uh, you know, black flagging Haywood, standing out there in front of him. And Haywood puts that thing in first gear and nails it. This guy jumps, just barely misses him. Mm-hmm. The Florida cops, they got right gear on. Mm-hmm. 
You can ask Robert Jr. He'll tell you. We're sitting over putting ramps down because we know what they said. Get out of here and get out of here now. The right gears on these guys and me and your dad, uh, uh, Robert, is uh, getting the ramps down so we get the truck, get the car up on there and get out there before we get keeled. Yeah, good heavens, and all, man. yeah, and stuff. But uh, anyhow, he was he was fine, and uh, he taught me how to drink. Yeah, and I was on the way down. I was really, had, you know, I was sort of this it's green. Right, it's green. There yeah. you go. I, 18, 19 years old, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Driving down the road down 95 here, and your grandpa's sitting over here with a Crown Royal and Jack D- uh, Daniels and four or five other ones. I don't know what it was. And a, a damn big old thing of peanuts, eating peanuts while I was doing it. He said, Well, I'm going to teach you. You've you been in the closet. I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. I said, Okay. But I'm going to drive now. I don't think I need to be doing this right now. He said, No, you're right. He said, But here's the way you do it slightly. Politely, all nightly. <laughs> Man, if he told me the that G-isms. one, if he told me that one time, he told me at least four times on the way down ninety five. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody that lives the lifestyle that you guys used to live. I mean, it's a miracle you're still here. Frankly, yeah. I mean, you guys really. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm hearing about riots, fights. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just it sounds amazing, but I bet it you does know, sound amazing. It's it's uh, it's why I think Tony sits I here and tells these stories with a grin on his face the whole time. Even the ones that don't end well. He's he. I mean, you got to be yeah. proud of this. Oh, at the time, you know, it was nerve wracking. Yeah, and then when you look back, you know, twenty. It years sounds later, amazing, but walking around with nothing but twenty dollars in your pocket, if that didn't have twenty dollars, yeah, that didn't that didn't make it that didn't make it easy. I'm telling you, your dad or me couldn't buy you a Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that simple. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tr- um, talking to mom, you know, he he would, you know, when he made, when he got any money from his job or whatever, it was, it, 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 gone. it, it was gone. And whatever was left, you know, would be bologna and bread on the table. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. So, so you go to Daytona, but like going back to Dale, I mean, you're, how do you get the cup? Like, how do you get into this? Uh, well, like I said, we run that that race there, and that was my first deal down at Daytona. And then I go back. Uh, uh, Robert calls me, and we go back. I can't remember the guy's name. But Kyle Petty's driving a car. So it's a Xfinity, a Bush car then. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that so? I I remember this. Um, did you go to Martinsville with Kyle with this car? No, we went to Daytona. Daytona. Yeah, because I remember uh, going over to Granddaddy's in the mid eighties, right? Right. right. And there was a member of the Race Hill Farms colors, the yep. 47, yep. yellow and white. Yep. Kyle drove that car at the Xfinity race in Martinsville. And uh, I just remember walking up to Robert's shop and that car sitting out front. And I said, I, when, when I was reading the notes about you saying you was helping Kyle Petty with a car connected to Robert G., I was right. thinking, I was wondering if it was this Race Hill Farms car. I'm pretty sure it was the same car. Yeah. Uh, Randy Hope out of uh, – Columbia, I think, South Carolina owned the car. Okay. He owned an insurance company, and he owned the car. He had Robert keeping it there, and I, the car stayed there. It didn't yeah. run many races, and yeah. Kyle drove it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we run fourth, fifth yeah. at Daytona with Kyle. And uh, so uh, that was my, you know. That was you getting into the big ranks. Getting in there, yep. That was it. Yeah. Me, uh, me and Robert Jr. Yep. So when you end up getting your, you know, your first full-time job? Uh, Well, I worked with Derek, you know, for a couple of years there. Yeah. And uh, he only wanted to run four or five races. And that, that wasn't that, I wasn't that type of guy. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but he didn't want to run no more than that because he, he was doing other things, had other irons in the fire. 
and he wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me, I'm hard-headed and sort of stupid at the time, I reckon. And uh, I go to work at Hendrix. Right. Uh, with Ricky Rudd and Gary Dehart. What are you doing? Uh, right at the time, I'm just a, just a, just you a know, mechanic. Just a mechanic. Yep. Whatever, whatever they want done, you know. Yep. Because everybody was there on a two-week notice to start with. No sh- Oh, yeah. He, he hired five people every week. And sometimes five people would make it two weeks, and sometimes one person would make it two weeks. And he's going through them. Yep. I was going to ask why I was this hard-headed and stupid, but I think you just answered it, right? Like, there was no (laughs) – there was nothing beyond two-week security is what you're saying. Right. 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 And so uh, I go out there, and I've been there for about a month. It looks like I'm going to make it. He comes up to me one day. I'm on the bandsaw. He kicks me on the foot and says, "Uh, you're going to be okay. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, so then, you know, he under, it was his first crew chief in job. And he was a hell of a fabricator, probably one of the best it was at the time, and probably still is, welder and all. And uh, but he, his mechanical background and, and knowing about suspension stuff wasn't where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until we got to working together and then we started building cars and stuff. And back then, you know, to get a drag link, it was just a piece of raw metal, and you had to figure out where to put the holes at and stuff. Right. And so uh, one Sunday, we worked seven days a week. He, was, he had that drag link, and he said, I've got to figure out where to put these holes. <laughs> and I, I said, hey, that ain't a problem. And uh, he said, well, how do you know? I said, hell, that's all I've done all my life is suspension and shit, you know? Yeah. And uh, well, show me. And so I got it up there and measured and showed him what, what to do and everything. And next thing you know, we're doing the bump steer on it and got all that. Man, that's pretty good, you know. So now he's got confidence in me, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and, and do what I I can do and help him. Yep. And that's what I wanted to do, you know. And uh, so that's pretty much what happened there. And I, I sort of worked as a shop foreman, car chief type of guy because there's only like six of us. Mm-hmm. And we all actually done everything and shared everything. Uh in 93, you end up over at Stavola Brothers with Sterling Marlin. Um, yeah. You're a crew chief for Greg Sachs at um, U.S. Motorsports, which was Ulrich's team yep. uh, in 94. Right. Um, so you finally get a crew chief job. Right. You're running the deal. That car had some good runs. It did. Well, you know, the Hoosier tires come out then. Yep. Right. I'd done 27 <laughs> Hoosier tire tests that year. Damn. And seven of our own tests. Damn. Yep, sure did. Y'all was running a lot. Oh, man, I was gone. I mean, I was lucky to be home one day a week. Yeah. DK, you know, it's funny how DK's whole career as an owner went because, I mean, he ran awful for decades, right, with his cars. Yeah. Well, Um, you know, they just ran what they ran, and he, I don't think he put no more effort in it than that. But toward the end, uh, it was like he, he, he completely changed his whole approach. Well, when he hired me, he didn't realize about 30 to 45 days into the deal, he said, uh, he said you're a game changer. And I, I said, what do you mean? He said, because you ain't scared to do nothing. You ain't scared to change things. Mm-hmm. He says, you're a game changer. So we go to Daytona and test. And, you know, he's never really made Daytona. It's got lucky and made yeah. it. So I take this car, brand-new car, brand-new team basically at the time, and uh, we go down there, and we're the fastest thing down there. And uh he comes up, and uh, after the second day, I think it was, he said, I'm read, reading a paper here. Well, we're really fast. He said, are you doing anything? I said, well, I'm working. What do you want? Are you doing anything? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, cheating? 
So well, I don't know. It don't cause cheating unless you get caught. Yeah. He said, well, can you back up all that stuff and it stand? I said, I can do anything I told you I can do. <laughs> I said, that's all I can tell yeah. you. Well, let's see it do it. So we go out there and that car, I mean, it hauls ass, you know what I'm saying? And uh, what I had done is uh, is I figured out while I was down there that you get the back. Everybody was running anywhere from 400 to 600 pound springs in the rear. Mm-hmm. And I go down there with 400s and I kept going lower. Lower and lower. I got down to a pair of 150s with a rubber in the back, both rears. And uh, a couple of the guys on the team said, you're going to kill him. I said, well, that's what the car says it wants. I said, it goes faster every time I put a softer spring in it. Let's go softer. Yeah. You know, that's what we kept doing. And I ended up with 150s and a, a rubber in each spring. And uh, the car, I mean, it would haul ass. I mean, like, bam, you know. Yeah. And uh, and he said, is that legal? I said, well, I don't know why. I said, there's no rule saying you what spring to run at that right. time, you know. As long as it clears heights. Exactly. And it would come back up, the whole deal. And uh, but, but, you know, like I say, everybody else stayed up like it right there. And you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Getting, getting back, back down, getting yeah, the spoiler oh, yeah. out of there. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was just fast. I mean, uh, we go down there, and we don't have the best motor. We got a decent motor, and we qualify uh, third or fourth somewhere along in there and run third or fourth in the race. And, uh, and uh, he's all happy because he's never done never that. Never like done that. There. Yeah. yeah. So then I built him a car to go to uh, the all-star race at Charlotte. And, I mean, I built this car. I mean, it was wild. It was bad to the bone. We were the first car to ever run in the 29-second bracket. I got through building it because we were supposed to go to Sears Point uh, the next morning, you know, for the road course race. And but I got through with that car because they're testing over there that night before. And I unloaded that car over there. I got there about six, seven o'clock that night, and that car right off the truck ran like a twenty nine eighty. Everybody else is like in the thirty thirties, you know, like that right there. And um, Andy Petrie and uh, Ray Everham look at it, and, and Felix Sabalas is there, and they're all standing. I mean, this car's got a exotic front end on it, and you know it's all jacked up and everything. Me, myself, and uh, uh, Bob Newland built the car, yeah. And uh, both of us put our minds to it and just done everything we could think of, make it look like a late model but still fit the templates, yeah. And uh, that's what it did. I mean, that thing was glued to the earth. Yeah, I know. We just didn't have the motors that we needed at the sure. time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, our motors were like a hundred off. Damn. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, I sit on the pole at Atlanta with a 100 off motor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, Doug Yates comes up to me before the race. He says, bro, I know them motors. He said, they're 100 horsepower off. I said, well, maybe not. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, you see that corner over there? I said, did your guy lift? He said, yeah. I said, my guy didn't. I think it didn't didn't go well in the race. Well, we're leading the race. Yeah, we're actually running out of the pitcher, and uh, Jeff Bodine's got Hoosiers on, and Bob Newton comes. The only really, uh, your dad I think's third at the time, and uh, Jeff Bodine's second, and we're we run off the hill probably over a half three quarter lap lead on the field, and uh, Bob Newton comes down there just running for the points, and uh, he says, uh, "How about slowing up and letting Jeff lead the lap, get the five points at the time." And that was hard for me to do. I said, but you know, he still yanking on my leg. He said, you got to let him lead. You got to have them points. And so we do. I told Sachs to back off and let Jeff lead. Jeff broke a shock, and the shock went through my right front wheel. Oh. And stuffed, stuffed us in the wall. Yeah. I said, I'll never do that again. Yeah. I don't care who you are or what you <laughs> are. That'll never happen again. And, and Bob apologized and everything, but it was too late then, you know. Yeah. 
Um, you started working for Do- Joe Nemechek mm-hmm. uh, in '95. Started the year. You end up leaving um, because you it was uh, just not a good environment, or I guess you just didn't fit right in there. Well, I can't see you fitting into that. Yeah, or I mean, they they were very tight knit, family run team. That 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 was. The, I mean, Joe had talent, no doubt about that. Uh, but you know, he had a lot of family right there. Yeah, and uh, his mother and father were great. Uh, his mother cooked dinner and cooked brunch and everything else for us. But the guys, they wanted to sit over here and eat and do all this. Here. Uh-uh, not with me. Uh, like I say, you had to be focused. You had to. Your mind had to be on one thing and one thing only. And yeah. I just couldn't. Put myself in that, like you just said, environment and all, and uh, and uh, so I just, I, I left. You got a you got a call from Kel Yarbrough to come crew chief his team uh, with Jeremy Mayfield as a crew, as a as a driver for the rest of the season in '95. Yeah, I, I was landing the bed. I was asleep actually about eleven o'clock that night, and uh, the phone rings. I said, well, I wonder who the hell this is. So I, because I thought it was an emergency, so I picked the phone up, and the first thing the man says, "Boy, I need you to come work for me." I said, well, who is this? Kel Yarbrough. I thought it was a joke. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He said, Kel Yarbrough. I said, really? Like, you know, we, one thing leads to another. We talk a little bit. And I, and I finally realized it's him. You know, I said, okay, I'll come over tomorrow and talk to you. So I go over to his shop. You couldn't walk in his shop. It was a mess. I mean, total, <laughs> total wreck. Total shit wreck. Yeah. Oh, it was shit everywhere. He said, he says, uh, I'm going to give you $60,000. Come work for me. I said, well, I'll be taking a pay cut. <laughs> what you mean, boy? Like it right there. And everything, everybody was boy, you know. And I says, uh, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I even want to do this job. I said, but my, my minimum is 150 Damn. He said, boy, I can't pay you nothing like it right there. I said, well, you need to go talk to somebody else. I said, because I ain't even going to think about your job for less than that. I said, yeah. I really want more than that. He says, uh, all right, all right. So I get home. I'm home about 30 minutes. My phone rings. It's Kale. Boy, you, can you start tomorrow? I said, I don't really want to, Kale. I said, but you're going to have to pay me what I ask you. He said, I got to have you. He said, come over here. I said, well, <clears throat> I said, here's the deal. All you got is junk. I said, I'm not working on junk. I said, you let me take everything. I'll go through your shop. And I'll take everything out and set it outside, and you can sell it, do whatever you want to with it. And I'll pick out enough stuff for us to keep started. I can build a couple cars and keep going. I said, if I can't do that right there, I don't. Want, I don't even want to talk to yeah. you. He says, you do whatever you take, what it takes to do the job. And so, first thing I do is go over and make me a path to where I can get through the stuff. And I'm telling you right now, ninety percent of it was junk. Yeah. And while I went outside. And uh, he said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're going, first of all, we're going to build a Daytona car. And so I bought a new chassis from Laughlin, and I bought it in there, and I set it down on the plate with no suspension on it. I said, we got to mount a motor, mount everything just like the car is going to run, and put it together like there. Well, the motor guys are in there, and they got this oil pan that looks like a 55-gallon barrel, you know, because five horsepower with a big oil pan. Mm-hmm. And he come back, and he said, that ain't going to work. I said, oh, yeah. It's going to work because you're going to fix your oil pan. Oh, we got to have that five horsepower. I said, you're going to fix your oil pan. I said, in the end of the deal, I said, because I done been to the window and seen, if I get the car down, how much horsepower it got arrow-wise. I said, if I give you 50 horsepower, will you take that oil pan off and fix the plant oil pan? 
if you give me 50 horsepower, how are you going to do that? I said, arrow horsepower. And that's what we did. And uh, so I built the car like it right there and got everything down. So then we had to work on the bell housing and the clutches and stuff like it right there and starter ring. Got all that there smaller. And then they outlawed all that shit, you remember? Yeah. And all, but that was because of all of us. And that's what I did. I got the cars down. I was running 100, and, uh, 100 pound springs in the rear of that car. Uh, if you'll go back and look, <clears throat> that's the only car on the first lap at Talladega that sat on the pole. I didn't mean to sit on the pole and beat everybody by probably three, three and a half tenths. Yeah. You, know? you didn't mean to sit on the pole. No, I, I, because if you sit on the pole, they, they search you too much. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Gary, what, were, what were you, what were you worried about? Well, it was, you know, I had a lot of little things, you little know what I'm saying? Yeah. You had about 10 or 15 little things and I didn't want to get, you know, you harassed. didn't want none of that to get gone. No, no. Yeah. I, Cause you did it at all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You needed it all. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be as low as a snake belly in a wagon rut, and that's where I was at. <laughs> I mean, that car was down. Yeah. Nobody was running 1,000-pound springs in the front. I had bump stops and 1,000-pound springs in the front at the time. I mean, that was unheard of, you know? Yeah. So they did the swap, the John Andretti Mayfield swap. Right. Um, I guess after the Southern 500 in 1996. Yeah. What was, y what was your feeling about that? I mean, you got, you'd been working <clears throat> with Mayfield for about a year. Right. And you – How'd you hear about the swap that's going to happen where Mayfield's going to go to Cranifus Haas? Well, the deal was Jeremy and I were very good friends. Yeah. And really got along good and really clicked good. And uh, we were both going to go to Cranifus. Both of you? Both of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Cranifus wanted us to, to both come there. But uh, I seemed to want too much money. You know what I'm saying? And I said, well, I'm not going I'm not, I don't, I'm not the type of person that's going to just leave here, just, you know, unless you want to pay me. Right. You know what I'm saying? He said, well, if I pay you this, this is the guys i got to keep here. And all he said, and, and, and you'll probably want to get rid of them. I said, well, if they if they do the job, I won't get rid of them. If they don't do the job, they got to go. Mm -hmm. Simple as that there. Well, I can't have all that. I said, well, that's fine. I said, I'll stay here. So Kale, you know, Kale and Jeremy sort of, you know, have a few words about it and all. And they like can't, what? They can't, they can't get it matched out to where, you know, Jeremy stays. Because he's talking to Ford, too, and trying to get Ford to have him, but Ford won't give him enough to getting to where he can keep Jeremy. So, and Cranifus is Mr. Ford at the time, you know. Yeah. And uh, so <clears throat> he gets him, and uh, I stay there. And uh, uh, we go to Indy testing. With, 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 with Jeremy. With Jeremy. We go to Indy testing with Jeremy, and uh, John Andretti's there, and I knew that he was at Cranifus, and I said, I told Kill, I said, what about John Andretti? Won't you go talk to him? I said, all right. So I walked over in his truck. I never spoke a word to John Andretti, never laid eyes on him. I said, you John Andretti? He said, yep. I said, I'm Tony Furr. I said, follow me. Where we're going? I said, I'm going to show you a car that you can win in. Like it right there. He, he looks at me like I got nine heads or something other. And uh, he walks outside. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm the crew chief over, you know, 98, and, you know, representing Kale right now. I said, no, Jeremy's leaving, coming over your deal. I said, and. I'd like for you to drive our car. Well, how do you know we can win? I said, I can win if you want to drive my car. So that's all I can tell you. And so he and Kel got together and made it happen. Worked it out. Yeah, worked it out. And you ended up doing just that, the Pepsi 400 in 97. Y'all won that race. Yes. Um, and, that, and, and I imagine that everything about that car is, is – uh, things you've learned over the last several years, you know, right. getting the car down, getting the car lower. Um, and this is around the time when, I mean, you've, you've said it enough, like you, when you guys show up and 
beat everybody at Daytona with Kale's team. Everybody knew Kale's team and his cars weren't RCR cars. Right. They weren't Hendrick cars. Right. And you talk about the motors and all that. Right. Um, I know you got the car down and low, but by this point, other people are starting to sort of figure out some of the things you're doing. But but at, at that time, a 250, 300 was as low as anybody would go. Yeah, and you're still 100 pounds lower, yeah, than, if not yeah, more. I, yeah, well, your dad, your dad liked to kill John Andretti in the, uh, 125 that, that same year. Uh, we're leading the 125, and your dad's driving. I mean, John said, he said, man, he said, get him off of me. He's driving me. I'm not driving this car. He's coming. They're coming through the trial. We're sideways, and your dad's still pushing him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He says, get him off of me. I said, he ain't getting off of you. I hate <laughs> to tell you, he ain't getting off of you. I said, best thing to do, I said, because we're in the race. I said, pull up and let him go. So he pulled up and let him go and because, you know, your dad knew how to – your dad was the best there was at Daytona Marina. And mm-hmm. I understand it because you're sitting here. I just know how he was. He was the best. And he could drive your car for you. You know what I'm saying? And put you in positions that you didn't need to be in or didn't want to be in. Yeah. And that's what he did. And that's how he won races down there. Now, I think that's how he got the name Intimidator, I would say. But, yeah. You know, but anyhow, uh, so, and and, that, and that's when we, we had the flat tire. And I think we could have won that race. But I don't know because your dad would have probably drove us. And yeah. we probably wouldn't have won it anyhow. But we had fast enough car. But Yeah, well, you go down there in July and you win. So you take the same car back, I'm assuming. I, I build a car that's more like an intermediate car, but it's down. To get a little bit of To keep more st- stability in yeah. the car. And so it qualifies third. And uh, we lead. I mean, as soon as they drop the rag, you know, he takes off and leads. We led 144 laps of it. I think at 160 or something like that there. But anyhow, we're leading, and we come in, and uh, I think it was like 30 laps to go. Uh, we pit our tires. Your dad's pits right here behind me. And we leave together, and now we come out. We're like twelfth, and your dad's right there with us. And so I go over and I tell Larry, I says, uh, I said, listen, I'm gonna win this race today. And you, help, you tell Earnhardt if he wants to run second to help the '98 car. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's all it takes <laughs> to get the Intimidator to help you, right? Them eyes on Larry got about that big, and I can see Richard look over at him, like, what did he say? You know, and uh, so but apparently he told your dad. Because your dad, after the race, we won the race. And your dad come up to me, you know how he grabbed you by the collar and popped you in the back of the head and stuff. Boy, don't you ever tell me to run second to you no more. Yeah. I said, well, you did, didn't you? Like, yeah. I you know, he started laughing. You know, he's yeah. just picking and kidding. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. So It was all good. When that car goes into the shed to get teched, what are you thinking? Uh, you nervous? You got to, you know. You, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know. They you, ain't a car in the field that ain't got a dozen a, things well, going on. You've been there. Been there, done that. I mean, they ain't a car that's ever won Daytona that was straight up. That's right. I, I don't care who you are and that's what right. you sit there and say. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, but I had that thing camouflaged so that you was going to have to be a scientist to figure everything out. Yeah. And so. What do you mean you didn't know? You knew. <laughs> you had, that's I, not an accident to camouflage all the stuff. Well, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you let them find stuff that they knew like a long uh, fuel line. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? 20-foot extra fuel line. It don't make a difference. You know what I'm saying? You let them find that stuff. So that was the way I always thought um, the best guys in the garage would do obvious things. Right. 
And so if you had if you had one very, very important piece right. on the car that you did not want them to discover, right. you would have something obvious over here that would get their yep. attention that yep. you were well, more than happy for them to take. Oh, yeah. And not something so egregious they were going to create – it was going to create a failure or, right. a, or a penalty or a fine or right. a disqualification. You just like, oh, you got me. You know, right. my, my fuel line's long. Yeah. If you're a diecast fan like me, you know that Lionel Racing, they are the official diecast of NASCAR. Right now, our friends at Lionel are busy working on the 2023 diecast replicas of our favorite Cup Xfinity and Truck Series drivers, along with some of Lionel's most popular diecasts, Raced Wins. To create a Raced Wins diecast, Lionel artists hand draw all the damage, all the scuffs, all those seen on the winning car in Victory Lane on Lionel's diecast template. They even had all the little pieces of confetti. These Raced Wins diecasts capture a moment in time like no other collectible can. They're the next best thing to owning the actual race winning car. Order a Raced Wins diecast now at LionelRacing.com and get free domestic shipping if you use promo code DOWNLOAD23. That's promo code DOWNLOAD23 at LionelRacing.com. Let's talk about some of the things, some of the creative things you did, but you know, reading between the lines of the rule book. Um, I mean, out, getting the car low is not illegal as long as the car comes back up. Right. But I mean, you did get penalized and fined by NASCAR a few times. Right. Um, so I mean, I know that you you tried a few things that they didn't think were were legal. Well, the the, the first time was when I was too low in the rear. They made a rule right then and there because, mm-hmm. like I said, the rule was on the roof. Then they started measuring the quarter panels. They measured. Gary comes back there. What happened was uh, I had these deals, these jack bolts made, to where it was a jack bolt, and it was hollowed out inside and split inside there, and they would different heights made different tents. And so I knew what height I needed to run what speed I needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So anyhow. Uh, you split the <clears throat> screw jack so it would bow and bend and. Blow out. Blow out. Blow out. And But it, that wouldn't come back. No, that wouldn't come, but there wasn't no uh, quarter panel heights. So it was fine if it came back low. And then they made quarter panel heights, so you had to change your screw jacks. Well, he, what happened, what got me caught, is it wasn't the quarter panel heights so much, but the quarter panel was low, but they made the rule after that. What, but what got me caught was the piece didn't break. You know them little uh, orange balls that used to, uh, the uh, radio announcers used to set up in Daytona? The 76. Yeah, the 76 balls. Yeah. He's well, he goes out on the track. And you know, changes the gears and everything. And normally they broke right there. Well, this one didn't break till it got up on the banking and it popped out right there in front of the guy with the orange ball sitting he in the And he saw it roll down the track. NASCAR goes out there, gets it, comes back, and it's full of antecedents because they take the jack bolts out at the time and have them in their hands. And uh, the old boy, the, the, the officials got antecedents, I mean, down his face, down his face where he rubbed his face and all this here shit, you know. And. <laughs> I'm sitting there laughing, not dying laughing. But anyhow, they come back, and uh, Jerry's got this rag, and it's full of antecedents and that little piece in it. And he walks over to me and says, uh, uh, you ever seen this before? I said, no, I don't know what it is, you know? <laughs> he holds it up again. He says, how long did it take you to make that? <laughs> I said, man, I just told you I don't know what it is. I, I ain't never seen nothing like that. He said, this is antecedents off of your car. He said, this popped out from under your car. 
He said, because I just seen all the antecedents, the same kind of antecedents, and this come out under your car because the guy ever seen it. I said, I, I don't know what happened then. I said, I said, look over and let's see. So we my jack bolt's in place like it's supposed to be, but that piece there is missing. But you could put two and two together, you know. And, yeah. I, and I, you know, I'm gonna take it to my grave. But as far as he goes, uh, I never admitted to it. <laughs> and so he says, "Well, we'll figure out something." And so they actually, uh, it was a, it was uh, for qualifying. So that puts me in the 125 in the rear. So now I have to start in the rear in the 125, and I ended up second to Sterling in the 125 because I'm still down, you know, and all. But I had this spring lander made me for the front to where it would collapse too. And now my damn front end is too low. Too low. So that put me back, and and that's how they actually got me was on that. And is is this when you're working at Hendrick with uh, yes with twenty five? Yeah. Well, what so, happened? So listen, I was there, um, or I was watching it on TV. I remember when twenty five goes out and goes out to qualify, yeah. and ran like three quarters of a second faster <laughs> in the field, and um. And everybody knew right then that something was up. Well, if you'll remember, that was the first year of Dodge. Uh, you know, you got Dodge the first year there, and, and Ray and, and Rick that, really wasn't getting along that great yeah. because of all the things that happened. But anyhow, uh, we were 39th in practice. You know what I'm saying? I come, right. down, I come down there in race boat, and then Rick comes up to the top of the truck, and he says, uh, little buddy, he says, uh, we're going to get embarrassed today. I said, yeah. I said, it don't look good for qualifying. I said, we're going to be all right in the race, I promise you. He said, well, I need to qualify better. He said, and you're the only one I know. You can talk to <laughs> Rick him. said this? Yeah, he said, oh, you're the only one I know. And that I thing can... goes out there and hits the ground. It sparks is flying all out Well, I'm going to tell, tell you what happened. Because I already knew exactly what everything would pick you up. And NASCAR gives you a plate. You run your plate in practice. Mm-hmm. And they give you, plate. Yeah, yeah. They, they give you their plate for, for qualifying. Well, what happened is their plate was two and a half horsepower better than my plate, yep. and I didn't account on that. And that's what put me to where I was at. Too good. Too good. If, if you take that two and a half tenths and figure out where I'm at now, I'm fear for sixth. Patting on the back, your yeah. hero, everything. But you ran too good. I ran too good. Yeah. And so they, they threw you out for that qualifying lap, and then you went out and got low – in the front. Yeah. So the piece you made on the front springs, I'd always thought it was like a uh, some sort of a, n- not soap, but some sort of material that once loaded into the banking would be crushed That's what happened. by the spring. That's what happened. What was it? Uh, what Land- was the material? Landrum, I don't know exactly what it was because Landrum out of Georgia made the springs for me. Uh-huh. And uh, I told him what I wanted to do and how much I needed and all. But I, I sort of miscalculated a little bit and got this a little bit too late. Too much. Yeah, yeah, too much. That's how that happens, by the way. You tell the manufacturer the spring, like, I want to be able to do this. I mean, you don't care how it's done. You're just saying, I want a spring to be able to do this, and then you put it in your car? <laughs> well, this guy, Landrum, was a, a dirt racer from way back, and I knew him from the dirt days. Okay. He wasn't somebody everybody no. was using. No, no. nobody. Actually, nobody used right. him at all. I That's the, the kind of guy you need. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. You get you, yeah. I had – I had several of those guys, you know, during my career. They ain't uh, building parts for nobody but you. Exactly. That's amazing finds. Yeah, I mean, I had a transmission that would pick you up three tenths. That would you remember them fall out transmissions? Mm-mm. Yeah, it would fall. All the gears would fall out, and nothing would run. Just a straight shaft, and they outlawed that. That was three tenths. I yeah. mean, bam, they outlawed that. Hmm. But uh, anyhow, and his this guy was out of uh, Missouri. 
I met with him. The transmission guy? Transmission guy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> God. I know. Uh, and I was the first one to run the Bimbo brakes and all that stuff and, and all the air ducts and stuff. That was all made there with D.K. Alders with my deal because we run second with uh, to Rusty for like 200 and some laps and sacks run out of brakes and I caught on fire uh, during a pit stop. And so I, I vowed to never go back to Martinsville and ever run out of brakes again. So we built this deal up there. I had, uh, I think it was six uh, uh, electric wind uh, leaf blowers. Yeah. And we h- uh, built a piece of uh, plywood, four pieces of plywood, and built it into a tunnel and stuck it up to the front of the car and took a, put a pedo tube over here and see how many CFMs would come through uh, to the brakes. Yep. Cool. And, man, it broke the brake caliper off. It was so good. Yeah. I never had no brake problems. And there, that was the, the rule after that. Everybody ran that after that. Right. And all, but anyhow, um, you know, uh, going back to Daytona and stuff like right there. I mean, uh, uh, that that guy, he uh, he was. I knew him from the, my dirt days and stuff. And and who was the driver of that car? Was it Nadeau? Nadeau. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Jerry Nadeau. And yeah. so you get popped then. Yeah. yeah. So you got a four race suspension. Actually, I got a twelve week suspension to start with. Dad sat down at, at the driver's meeting beside of me, and he, he come up to me and he says, "Boy, you in trouble, ain't you?" I said, "Looks like it." And now I said. Uh, can you do anything for me? He said, I'm going out on the boat Tuesday. I'll see what I can do. He said, I don't He's going I, out on the boat with Mr. France. Yeah. He says, I don't, I don't know. He said, I don't know that I can get you completely out of it. Captain said, Jack. Yeah. He said, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I can get everything reduced and get it where you'll be okay. Well, that's the day he gets killed. And uh, Oh, man. Yes, yeah, it's a sad day. And uh, actually, he, he was, you know, Jim Kelly was there and a couple other, you know, quarterback stuff and my wife and I was sitting on the wall there and because we were right behind him and he'd come over and sit between me and my wife scooted me over you know got between my wife started hugging on her and messing with her and said I'm gonna make him jealous and uh, you know Dale's picking it on me yeah know? and uh, we just got to talking and everything he said I'll take care of you Tuesday like it right there and so he walks over and gets in his car I don't know if I was the last person to talk to him out of the car or not but I think I was you know mm. and he says uh, he says uh, I'll take care of you Tuesday don't worry I said, all right, you better. I hit right mm-hmm. there. You know, I said, have a good one. He said, you too. And we, you know, went on about it. Went on about it. And mm. all, but uh, you had a um, fuel cell violation. What was a fuel cell violation? There was a fuel cell violation, and combined with the penalty from Daytona, that put you on probation for the entire year. Oh, I had a I had a fuel cell inside of a fuel cell. As one does. So like a reserve tank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which the, is something that we ended up, I mean, everybody yeah. had them yeah. in the last 10 years. Yeah. They just flip it to switch, flip it to number yeah. two. That's yeah. like going to give you the I, last I mean, couple I, of laps. I had a deal, too, that where uh, I could tell I could run one lap at Michigan uh, and it, it had a fuel, like a fuel gauge, had a little light on the dash. I made it out of a frown fuel filter mm-hmm. with a, a, a float in a proximity uh, switch in it. Yeah. And, uh, I'd do that. I could do that, and uh, all kinds of little things. So you could run till you sputtered, then you'd get that would get you your lap back well, to the road, or when you, you didn't splutter. When your light come on, that meant you all the fuel you had was what was in the line, and that would get you time to come. That, yeah, you, you, had, get you had to come. Pit road. You had to come, and that was an innovation that you know yeah. nobody had. Nobody. Everybody had else was just hope, you know hoping yep. their calculations on the pit box was correct. Exactly. But your driver got an idea. Exactly. Um, you got fined after Daytona 2002 um, <laughs> for a height violation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, in April of 2002, you resigned from Hendrick? I did. Why did you do that? Well, 
I love Rick and John Hendrick to death. And uh, that place over there was awesome. Rick Hendrick was super to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Nadu and I didn't get along. Mm. As simple as that. And uh, we're okay today. But at that time, I mean, I had a lot of hard feelings because he cost me and him a career, I thought, that could have been very promising. And uh, Well, how so? Well, we was at Martinsville, and uh, I think it was the first year Jimmy Johnson was there. Mm -hmm. And I give them my setup. Jeff Gordon had my setup. Terry Labonte had my setup. And, you know, we got our own. Same thing. We're all right there, all top six. Jeff and Jerry are fighting for top of the board each time they go out. Well, Jerry goes out there. All those guys qualify top six except us. Jerry goes out there and goes down in turn one, hits the curve. Well, you hit the curve, you lose three tenths. It it don't matter. And he shot up the track. He come in. He threw the steering wheel at the side of the car and then kicked the door and said, it's a piece of shit. Good heavens. I mean, that was it. Yeah. I went off. Pretty much the rest is history. I mean, I went down there to the truck and jacked him up. And uh, <laughs> you got a hold of him. Oh, I was wanting to kill him. And yeah. here, here's Ken House. He's over there. And he's you know, bird dog me and everything. And uh, Ken's a good guy. I yeah. mean, that's all done. Said with. I mean, I, I'm over all that stuff. But anyhow, at the time I wasn't because I'm a racer. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I jacked him up. Told him to get the hell out of my garage. That you know the bird dog don't 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 flush around me. And also, uh, you told that to Ken House. Yeah. He okay. was who uh, probably is. I think Ken's probably GM at the time. He was our competition <laughs> not director. Competition director, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So that was probably not a good thing. Yeah. To do, not a career. No, it was. I mean, yeah. but you know, I, I can understand your frustration. Yeah, and they 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 called me to the meeting uh, Tuesday that week. Rick's out of out of the country at the time. Uh, he's over in Italy, I think it was. But anyhow, they called me to the meeting and uh, want me to apologize. I said, well. <clears throat> Here's the way it is. But to apologize to Ken and, and everybody, yeah. everybody. I said, if I tell you I'm sorry, that's the same as telling you a lie. I said, I've never lied to y'all, and I'm not going to start today. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so I don't know if I got fired or quit. Yeah. But that was it. I got up and walked out. Ray Everham recruited you uh to come over to Radio Everham Ultra Motorsports after that. Yeah. Um, you helped Casey Atwood, Jason Leffler. You worked for Morgan McClure, Haas CNC. Yeah. Um, kind of bounced around over the next several years working with different people. You went into the truck series. Yeah. Uh, won some races. Yeah. In the truck series. Um, worked with Todd Bodine and Chad Chafin, Jack Sprague. Jack, you won three races with him in 06, 07. Um, got back into the cup stuff, helping – uh, different teams helped Jeremy Mayfield when he tried to come back in '09. Ended up uh, over at Robinson uh, Motorsports and Extreme Motorsports. Uh, helped Morgan Shepard, Rick Ware. Uh, you know, you you just kind of yeah. kept on going. Uh, I'll tell you after the after the Hendrick deal, uh, it really it really hurt me. Yeah, and all because uh, now I see that politics mm. is the whole deal, mm-hmm. and I wasn't a politician at all. And uh, and I couldn't back up on my words, you know what I'm saying? And and I, I couldn't bullshit you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my people, I think I did, but I couldn't. And uh, that sort of bothered me. So I sort of got sire on racing, to be honest with you. So that's the reason I jumped around trying to find this stuff. And then I I, I got in a motorcycle wreck uh, right after I left Haas. And uh, 
You got hurt real bad. Bro. I broke both legs. Yeah. Sure did. And I what knew. What happened? Well, it was sort of odd. I was pulling in this driveway, and there was a lot of loose gravel right there. And I laid my leg down, and the bike was real low. And it caught this caught my left leg first and drug it back, and I couldn't get it. The bike was so low, I couldn't get back up on it. And so I give it gas and spring it, pull it back up. And when I do, I throw my right leg off and pop it the same way. So now I'm dragging both legs up this hill, running about 60 miles an hour, trying to stop going running into a building, and I finally get the kill switch. There's four or five guys standing over here. I said, hey, 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 come and get me, come and get me. You know, because the bike's low enough, but my legs are just keeping me balanced just enough I ain't tilted yet. And so they run over right quick and uh, put my kickstand down, and I said, uh, listen, uh, somebody get on each shoulder and pick me up. I said, I'm not sure, but I said, but I feel like both legs are broke. Where'd you break? Right there at my knees, an inch and a inch and a half down from both knees. Damn. It popped both of them the same. And uh, <clears throat> I said, pick me up and let me see. And they picked me up, eased me down. I, oh, God, I kicked. I said, pick me up and lay me down. Right. So they laid me down and took me to the hospital. And sure enough, that's what happened. So you need to take some time off. Yeah, I need to take time off because I knew. I know what racing takes, the, the dedication racing mm-hmm. takes and the focus and all. I knew that I wasn't able to do that so i said well <clears throat> i'm gonna try to get myself well here and uh so i'm gonna go truck racing because the series was a lot shorter yeah uh, they had like schedule. 18 races or something yeah something like that yeah. there and uh, i said i said then i'll work my way back to cut maybe yeah if, if i want to man well recently you got a call from dan partis um right. to help his son preston right in the xfinity series you've been going with them off and on or well dan run uh I think it was four races to start with. Uh, I think it was 20. He ran four races. He bought a car for Ganassi when they abandoned their Bush deal mm-hmm. or Xfinity deal over And uh, he called me and said that uh, he, he knows what he wanted to do. And uh, the kid had never been in nothing but a Mazda, 90 yeah. horsepower, you know, five-inch wide tires. Yeah. Good little road race, though. Oh, man, I'm telling you what, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I said, well, I said, we need to go test somewhere. I said, where has he really got a lot of time in testing or mm-hmm. driving at? He said, Road America. And, you know, that's a day away, basically. He said, but I'll go up there if that's what you want to do. I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't want to go to win or go to really run good, I'm not interested. I said, so we got to go test. And he bought, he, he bought a children's motor and bought a really good car. I said, so we'll fix it, brought it to my shop, and I fixed it. We go up there and we test. In the fifth lap on the race, the kid's running top ten times. I said, hmm, damn, I thought this was going to be a long day, you know. But he's doing really good, and I make a couple changes, and he responds to to those changes and understands the changes. This is going to be really good, you know. And so we go back up there to race, and we qualify, I think, 12th, 14th, somewhere along in there. And he's running fifth, and the tire rod broke, running fifth. And so that put us out of the race. So then we go to the next race, and uh, – we run top ten every race I run with them, unless we either wrecked or something happened. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think we run top ten four or five times mm-hmm. with him. You know, and we had a shot at winning. We was leading on the last lap of Indy and Road America that one year. I can't remember what year exactly it was, but it was leading. But I knew, and I told him one day. I said, "Listen, there's a bunch of wolves behind you. Yeah, and you're a rookie. So you're dead meat if you ain't careful." I said, "So I don't know where to tell you. Driving the mirror, driving your foot on the brake, or what?" I said, "But." You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And they, you know, they they took him to school. He ended up, I think, you know, seventh, eighth, right yeah. on there. We top ten. Yeah. So he they they're recently uh, asking you to go over to 
Sonoma with them this year. So you still yeah. ain't out of the out yeah. of the business altogether. No, I mean, I, and I like I told him, he, he had talked to me at the first year about doing some things, and I said I really wasn't interested. Yeah. I said, I'll be honest with you, I, like, I love riding my motorcycle my time well, on right now. You're just hanging out riding motorcycles. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm taking care of my mother, too. Yep. She's got dementia right now and all, so I'm trying to take care of her. So that that's a full-time job, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the last couple things I wanted to ask you about is um, you uh, – my grandfather, Robert G., one of the most famous things I think that he's connected to is 77 K and K, and K Dodge. Right. Um, the K&K Insurance Superbird. Right. You helped. You stayed over there and helped him build that car back when you were younger in the yep. early seventies. Right. Um, you know what? When you think about it, like I mean, I guess when you were when all this was happening, you probably didn't realize what you were part of. But no. man, when you look back on that time now, being around such an iconic car and uh, the craftsmanship that went into that car and the bodywork and everything, yep. I mean, it's got to be a fond memory. Oh, really? It was. I mean, that, that car, you know, Harry Hyde, he was probably top of the line at that time. Harry was a crew chief. Oh, yeah. He, and uh, he'd come over and he'd give us a little history on the car. They had deals inside where they could adjust the wedge. I mean, it's some of the innovations, things they'd done. And um, you could look over at the right front tire. I mean, there's all kinds of little little knickknack things and all that you could mm-hmm. do and all. And, uh, but anyhow, we restored all that stuff. Uh, that's like I say, myself and Jimmy. Jimmy May Carr and, and Robert Jr., we all stayed right there at the house. Everybody lived at Robert G.'s house at one point in time. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter if you lived here or out of state. Everybody lived that was anybody lived at Robert G.'s house. Eating yeah. steaks. Eating steaks, yeah, oh, with a T-bone. T-bone. And sucked a bone. Yeah, <laughs> sucked a bone. <laughs> and watched Fred Sanford first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, you didn't go to work till you watched Fred Sanford. Now, boy, we got to watch Fred Sanford first. Yeah, you know, he was a big fan. Oh, yeah. Um. What's uh? What about Dad calling over Concord Speedway and checking on Kelly and and, and me? Yeah, uh, you know, your dad. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you knew it or not, but he was always checking on you guys. Never uh, knew he, it. He'd call either my mother or my father, whoever he could get a hold of at really? the time. Oh yeah, uh, he'd call. You know, when you got there to make sure you got there. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, he would check. You know, after the heat race yeah. and stuff on you, and uh, then after the race, he'd check on you again. And he always told him, he said, "Listen." I don't know if they got any money or they can afford what they got, but just go ahead and give it to them. It don't matter if it's a Coca-Cola, a hamburger, a tires or whatever. Yeah. Let me know what I owe you. Me and Dad, or me and Carrie had this open trailer that Daddy owned, this orange yeah. open trailer with a box on the front. Yeah. And when we had the Big Ten races, uh, Henry would charge you 20 bucks on Friday and 20 bucks on Saturday. <laughs> and me, me and Carrie, one of us would get in the box about a mile from the track. And pull in, sign in, <laughs> drive in, park, and then Carrie. I usually climbed in the box, and then Carrie would get out, open the door, and I'd start handing him tools. You know, like I, yeah, you know, yeah. just trying to. Like, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, people think I just climbed in here to get the tools out. Wow. I mean, you got it honest. We did, what, yeah, we did what we could. <laughs> Earned no, it. No, that no, was forty bucks. Oh, I know, but you know, the thing about it is, I know you didn't know it, but your dad was going to take care of yeah. it anyhow. But yeah. it didn't matter. I mean, one way or the other. I mean, That's it, funny. It, you know what? It's good that you did that. Yeah. Because that's something you talk about. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it. Well, man, I've known you a really long time. Yeah, known who you were. I did not know that we had so so many, you know, connections. Right. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I only recently learned by reading about uh, the Metrolina Speedway that Dad had driven for you, right. your own car. Right. Um, the most I really knew about you was your your family history, uh-huh. your dad's history, right. your Cup career, but didn't know. 
the connection to Robert G, the connection to my dad right. and how well you knew them and how much time you'd spent with them. And so this has been a real treat for me right. uh, to have you come over here today and, and tell some of these stories and share some of these stories, man. It's amazing right. how small the world was back yeah. then. Everybody well, knew everybody. Well, you know, the land right across from my house where I live at now was my grandmother's land. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was like 17 acres. Your, your grandfather bought that. No home place. Robert and, or? Yeah, Robert, big yeah. Robert. Where do you live right now? Uh, in Lakeshore Estates in Concord. Okay, in Concord. Yeah. Got it. And uh, he bought the old home place that's right there in front of my deal, and he was going to be my neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And my dad went down there and cleaned it all off for him and really dressed the pond up and all that stuff. And him and Tom Darlin used to bring a truckload of rocks and lay them out in the spillway there and make it all pretty. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was pretty nice. I kind of vaguely remember that. Tom Darling used to drive my grandfather's uh, super late model or mm -hmm. late model over at Concord, right. the old the new you know the la the the six hundred one Concord. Right. Um, Granddaddy had a race car that run over there for years. Yeah, um, your dad's car was always the best. I mean, it, if something didn't break, he probably won. Yeah, this is, I mean, he was hard to beat. I mean, he. He knocked me out of a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, man, we appreciate it, Tony. Yeah. Thank you for coming over here today and sharing okay. with us. Yeah, no problem. I, I enjoyed you, it. Yeah. Yeah. Come back and see us again. I'll do it. Tony do Furr it. on the Dale Jr. Download. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.